is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, August 28, 2023, and today will be better than yesterday. Working from back in the Bristol area is Taylor Schwink from the Schwink Studios, actually, and I'm Buster Only, working from my hotel room in San Francisco, Taylor, because we decided, you know what, rather than do a baggage claim taping on a Monday morning, we're doing it right after the Sunday night game here in San Francisco. What do you think? I love it, dude. We are. I'm up anyway. You're up. You're on West Coast time. You know our our guests are awake. Sarah Lang's notorious night owl. Uh, Tim Kirkshin, notorious night driver. So actually, yes. it really works for all members of the team. I would love to do this more often if we can. Yeah, I think we're going to. Like, it only took us like five months to figure this out. Right? <laughs> you know, five months and how many years? You know, three with you. It's like three years and five months, and we finally figured out a better schedule on Sunday for Monday. Yes, yeah? we did it. We finally. As How many we, degrees do we have between us? <laughs> hey, we're getting we're getting to the busiest part of the season. So, it, you know, if there was a time to figure it out, it's now. It was good timing. Uh, look, today the podcast is going to be a lot about the Seattle Mariners and what's going on in the American League West. For a lot of the summer, the Texas Rangers have been in control. But, of course, recently they had an eight-game losing streak. They came back and won on Saturday. Max Scherzer pitched in that game on Sunday – then had a 5-0 lead, bottom of the sixth inning, when this happened. And the righty delivers, swung on, hit into center field well. Long run is Tavares. He'll turn around. It's out of here! That ball carried to straightaway center field, and the Twins trail 5-4 on Royce Lewis's second career grand slam. That was Dan Gladden on the Treasure Island Baseball Network. That got the Twins back into the game. They tied it. They went in extra innings. And this happened in the 13th. Three balls and no strikes. And the pitch in the dirt. And he walked in the winning run. The Twins are going to win 7-6 to six on a bases-loaded walk. So the Rangers lose the game 7-6. to six. They started the day tied with the Mariners for first place in the American League West. Meanwhile, the Mariners are facing the Royals. Bottom of the second inning, it was 0-0. One to Teoscar. Swing and a drive. Deep straight away center field. Isbell going back to the track, looking up. Goodbye baseball off the batter's eye. Teoscar Hernandez with two home runs yesterday. Leads off the bottom of the second this afternoon with his 22nd home run of the year. And this was a rocket. Listen to that crowd. Seattle Sports, 7, 10 a.m., and then the Mariners would tack on in the bottom of the fifth with help from the red-hot Julio Rodriguez. Here's the pitch to Julio. Swing and a drive. Deep into the gap. In left center field. Going and going. Goodbye baseball. Into the Mariners' bullpen. Julio Rodriguez with a wide shot. Two-run home run. And the Mariners win the game 3-2. to two, And they move into sole possession of first place in the American League West. Scott Service, the Mariners manager, talked about that after the game. We have a lot of baseball to go. There's no question about it. We have played extremely well, really, since the 1st of July. And it's a testament to our players. They just keep their head down, and they just focus on getting better, and that's what we're doing. I thought, you know, Munoz was much better today. You know, in command, in control of his emotions, executing pitches. You know, our offense has been on a nice roll, and we continue to get better there. So that's where the focus needs to continue to be. We'll stay away from the scoreboard watching for right now. The Astros, who started the day one game behind the Mariners and the Rangers, faced the Tigers. They blew them out. They won 17-4, to but kind of a cool moment in the midst of this game. Miguel Cabrera 
came to the plate for the Tigers, couple runners on base. Fly ball left field off the bat of Cabrera. Way back in left. Gone. Wow. Miguel Cabrera with his third of the year, number 510, is a three-run shot. Dan Diggerson, 97.1, the ticket. Uh, among the Astros pitchers who faced Cabrera earlier in the game was Justin Verlander, his former teammate, and Justin talked about that. You know, getting a second to tip my cap to Miggy before we before we go at it was uh, was pretty cool. Um, you know, we've had a lot of great memories together on and off the field, and, um, you know, I love that guy and uh, just have so much respect for, for, for him and, um, you know, to be able to – I'm glad AJ put him in the lineup, and I'm glad we, we, we had that moment. And I have not seen a replay of this pitch, Taylor, but I just, having seen a lot of veteran players and how they're treated, veteran superstars, and how they're treated by opposing players, uh, I'm guessing that in a 14-0 to game that the pitch he got from the Astros may have been a cookie. What do you Ooh. think? In the eighth inning? Maybe a would little, make sense to me, yes. A little bit of a spicy meatball buster? I a like where your bit. head's at. Yeah, I've seen it before. I've had players tell me about it. Pretty cool. Uh, Justin Verlander, by the way, that is now 254 victories. The Rays and the Yankees had an interesting game. It was tied for all. Bottom of the sixth inning, and this happened. Peralta sets and fires. Swing and a line drive in a right, a base hit. That'll score Rosarena. Round and third coming home, Ramirez. The throw home, not in time. With two out and nobody on, the Rays have scored four runs and lead 6-4 now over the Yankees in the sixth. That from 620 WDAE. Now, this game got a little bit chippy. Michael Kay, Yankees play-by-play broadcaster on the S Network, described that. And a Rosarena gets plunked, and he's not happy. Too many guys have gotten hit, and even if it's by accident, Jeff, teams don't like it. There you see they're jawing at each other, and Bray was probably saying, I didn't mean to hit you. Why would he want to hit you anyway? And now the benches are going to clear. Yeah, Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, talked to reporters after the Rays 7-4 win, and he talked about the benches clearing. You know, Randy getting hit there. Um, didn't like it. You know, they've had a few guys hit this series, so I get it. And especially Diaz being out right now. Get the frustration, but nothing's happening on purpose or some some tempers got going. You know, he's telling me I'd be upset. Yeah, I would be. Certainly wasn't on purpose, but I understand, you know, when our guys get hurt or hit not on purpose, I don't like it either. Unfortunately, sometimes it happens in the game, and obviously today boiled over a little bit. Here's Brandon Lau describing what happened. We got to talk about the end there. It did get a little bit of chippy. Obviously, we saw the dugouts clear a couple times after Randy was hit by the pitch. Not the only hit by the pitch today or this season series. You guys have been hit 12 times. Did it feel like that was going to boil over and a little bit understandable? Obviously, tempers flare. Um, the, the history that we do have with the Yankees, everything that's kind of come through, obviously probably does play a part in it, but... Looking at it, it's a last-place team against a team that's in contention. You know, there's trying to ignite something over there, whatever. Uh, not worth our time at this moment. You know, we're, we're focused on bigger things right now than worrying about a, a little on-field scuffle. You know, we need each game. They're, they're not really in each game. Wow. Taylor, throwing a little shade right there with that answer. I think that's pretty funny. He a terp. I love Brandon Lau. Always have. Been saying it forever.
Oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, Yankees, last place team. The Orioles placed all-star closer Felix Bautista on the injury list with a UCL injury. Uh, Michael Elias, the general manager, told reporters, we've not firmed down any timetable or anything of that nature, although UCL in- injury can lead to Tommy John surgery. Elias expressed hope that the team's closer can return to help the AL East leaders secure a playoff berth or perhaps provide aid in the playoffs. I am going to inject maybe a little bit of reality into the situation because of the calendar uh, when we talk with Tim Kirchin coming up. The Rockies uh, faced the Orioles. It was three all, top of the ninth inning, and that Oriole bullpen, which has different guys in different roles right now, uh, this was what happened in the top of the ninth. And he'll chop one towards third. The throw to first is their only play. Hunter Goodman with a great break scores to give the Rockies a 4-3 to three lead. And that would be the final score. The Phillies had a great series against the Cardinals over the weekend. Kyle Schwarber, again, <laughs> let off for the Phillies in the bottom of the first inning and did some damage. Just wind up in the pitch. Swung on, driven high and deep center field. Turning and going back, Palacios to the track. Looking up, and it's gone. Lead off, Homer, first pitch of the game. Kyle Schwarber, number 36 on the season, 1-0 Phillies. Scott Fransky, Sports Radio 94 WIP. The Dodgers, the Red Sox. Of course, this was Mookie Betts' return to Fenway Park. He got a standing ovation in his first plate appearance on Friday, and he hit all through the weekend, including this in the top of the sixth inning on Sunday. Mookie swings, hits a high drive to left. This ball is back. It is gone. A home run over the monster. Mookie bets a two-run shot, and the Dodgers lead 4-0. Tim Neverett, AM570 LA Sports. The Dodgers win that game 7-4, and they win the series. The Cubs blew out the Pirates 10-1 in the top of the fifth inning. This is what happened. Suzuki swings, line drive, fair ball. Down the right field line, it'll roll all the way to the corner. Bellinger comes home easily. A stand-up double for Seiya Suzuki. He now has a career-high 10-game hitting streak, and the Cubs are up 6-1 to one over the Pirates here in the fifth. Of course, it's gone badly for the Padres all year, uh, and their reliever, Robert Suarez, was suspended 10 games for sticky stuff after he was caught last and ejected last Wednesday for having sticky stuff on his left wrists and arm before he threw a pitch in the eighth inning against Miami. Suarez denied using any banned substances, saying he had only had sunscreen on his arm because it was a day game. It's amazing, Taylor, how many uh, players, how many pitchers, have used sunscreen uh, in night games through the years, and I'm sure it's just at a you know trying to be extra careful about sun. Yes, skin cancer is no joke, man. I don't, I, I empathize. Okay, it's kind of not what I was thinking, but that's okay. Yeah. Giants and Braves. Uh, it was three all bottom of the fifth inning when this happened. Two balls, two strikes, two outs. The pitch. Swinging a line drive, one hop to first, and it's past Olsen into the right field corner. One run is in, two-run score. Here comes Davis all the way from first, and he is in, standing up. Patrick Bailey sizzled it past Olsen and cleared the bases. And the Giants now have a 6-3 to three lead over the Braves in the bottom of the fifth. It was Mike Cousins on ESPN Radio. The Giants went on to win this game. Eight to five, but the Braves take two or three in this series, and I walked away from a, with a strong impression about the Braves. Taylor, before we get to that, what else you have? 
Buster, we are in season for College Game Day, the College Game Day podcast. Week one is looming. We're starting things off today on Monday with Desmond Howard. He's going to talk about his uh, a little more uh, standard-looking playoff bracket. After last year, he made a lot of waves with with his wacky one. So we'll see what he has to say about it. Also, Ryan McGee. Ryan McGee Monday. He's very excited to have Ryan on the show every Monday. Uh, should be a lot of fun. We'll preview the uh, the worst teams in college football. Um, as the season is about to get started. The College Game Day podcast is available where you're listening to this podcast and on YouTube. All right, Ryan McGee's a good dude. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tim Kirkton covers baseball for ESPN. And Tim, this is a this is kind of a fun show because we're taping this right after the Sunday night game. As I'm talking to you, uh, I hear the drums in the background for the crowd that's leaving Oracle Park after the Giants went over the Braves, and you're on a highway someplace. I've heard about this drive before, where after you do baseball tonight on Sunday night, you drive all the way home to Maryland, but I've never actually shared in this drive before. Where are you exactly? I'm on the New Jersey Turnpike. I'm in between exit three and exit two. I'm about two and a half hours from home. I'll be on the Delaware Memorial Bridge in about uh, hopefully 30 minutes. And that will get, once I get over the bridge, I feel like, all right, I'm almost home, even though it's another hour and 45 minutes. I do this all the time. I'm really good at night driving. Always get to the next destination as soon as possible. That's one of my mottos. Well, and in part, and uh, you know, you do it because of your family in so many instances through the years, and I've always admired that about you, and I, I'm kind of done saying nice things about you on the show tonight, if that's okay. <laughs> that's quite all right. That's exactly why I go home, for grandchildren, children, my brother, everyone else, but uh, again, all good. 
All right. Let's say nice things about the Seattle Mariners, who are in first place in the American League West. And I got asked a question on radio today uh, and, and on the K-Rod show. They, they basically were, are you surprised by the Mariners? And I say, yes, I am. And I know that uh, that's not necessarily a new thing because even the Mariners front office has got to be surprised because Jerry DePoto and doing his job and he does it very well went out in the trade market and he was dangling possible sell as well as buy. He traded his closer. <laughs> he did a lot of different things because they looked like they were dead in the water, Tim, when we were at the all-star break, what the heck happened? Well, that's a great question. Buster, they were 45 and 46. They were in big trouble again. They were a big disappointment in you know the great Northwest because they made the playoffs last year. But what happened was they really started to hit. Finally, Julio Rodriguez got really hot. We know all about the 17 for 22 he had during a four-game stretch. No one's ever done, gotten 17 hits in any four-game stretch ever. And now they've won 10 out of the last 11 series. And if they were to win the division, they would become the eighth team since divisional play began in 1969 to be 10 games behind out of first place in the second half of the season and go on to win the division. It's been pretty remarkable. Their pitching has been good, which we know their rotation, when it's right, is really good, led by Luis Castillo and and others, Logan Gilbert, uh, George Kirby. Uh, But it's really the offense that has really changed things because uh, Julio Rodriguez and the rest, Cal Raleigh, they're starting to score some runs now. Yeah, Teoscar Hernandez home run today. <laughs> he was one of the guys that was being dangled out there in the market just as the Mariners were assessing his value. Tim, where did this come from? Like, I look at what the Cubs are doing, I look at what the Mariners are doing, and I don't get it. Like, all of a sudden, you can go from being a bad offensive team to all of a sudden a great offensive team. <laughs> How often have we seen that? Well, Buster, that's what's so beautiful about this game is just when you think you understand what you're watching, you realize you don't. And the Cubs, for instance, are a perfect example. They basically scored more runs the second half of the season than any team. Today, they scored 10 more runs, and they have scored 10 or more runs in a game 20 times. Only the Rangers at 23 have had more 10-run games than the Cubs. We know that Cody Bellinger has the most RBIs in the major leagues the second half. That whole team is hitting, and I simply didn't see that happening either. That's why baseball is so great. You hone in on it, you follow it, you say, oh, I got a good look at this, and then you realize that you don't. And the Cubs and the Mariners are perfect examples, and at this moment, I think both those teams are going to the playoffs, and I would have never guessed that, you know, a month and a half ago. And a month and a half ago, it looked like the Texas Rangers were in control in the American League West, but they had that eight-game losing streak that came to an end uh, on Saturday, but they had lost again in excruciating fashion today. What do you make of the Rangers? Well, they've lost nine out of ten, and their bullpen, which was pretty darn good for a while, hasn't been very good lately. They blew a ninth-inning and a twelfth-inning lead today in that loss. Roldis Chapman gave it up early. Um, I think they're going to pull this back together. I think they're still a really good offensive team. 
but they're going to have to fix their pitching. But we know with Bruce Bochy, nobody but nobody runs a bullpen better than him. That's part of the problem right now. I think they're going to get it fixed. But if they don't, they're going to go from the odds-on favorite a month and a half ago to win the division to a team that might not make the playoffs. It's a fascinating race now in the ALS, and boy, has it changed recently. Yeah, what a gut punch uh, for that team. And and uh, if they don't make the playoffs, that'd be terrible. I texted with uh, with Boats this morning and I asked him about, you know, how are you guys doing with uh, dealing with this losing streak? And he talked about how he really feels like they have good players in this situation. You know, Marcus Simeon, so even keeled. Corey Seager, even keeled, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's going to be okay. Hey, it just comes down to being healthy with the pitching, Tim. I, you know, the – the, the line in baseball is, is that the greatest precursor, the greatest indicator of an injury to come are past injuries. And while we love their aggressiveness in the offseason, it's always fun when a team is out there trying to get better. The fact is they invested a whole lot of money in guys that aren't healthy. Right. You know, Nate Evaldi's had two Tommy John surgeries, and he's back on the injured list. And who knows if we're going to see him at all the rest of the year. Um, Max Scherzer's come over and pitched pretty well, um, but they, you're right. They have got to get their rotation healthy. they got to get Josh Young healthy at third because they missed his bat for sure. Um, they got a lot of work to do because, again, Houston is not going to fade from here, and this is exactly what the Mariners did last year. They, they hit their stride in you know, late July, August, and took it through September and made the playoffs. So Rangers, 9 out of 10, better get going here. Speaking of body blows, the Orioles lose their closer, one of the best relievers in baseball, Felix Bautista, a UCL injury. We don't know exactly what the injury is, Tim, but there are a lot of red flags around what's going on. And number one for me is is that, uh, you know, even just say for argument's sake that it turned out to be a, a, a minor, uh, a relatively minor UCL, UCL injury. Let's say it's a grade one or grade two. He still has a calendar working against him. And the way they've handled this makes me think it's more than a grade one, grade two. What do you think? Yeah, I'm worried for the Orioles' sake here because Batista's been, I believe, the best reliever in baseball this year. 30 saves, 33 saves, 148 ERA, 16.2 strikeouts per nine innings. And Buster, you know, when Edwin Diaz went down in spring training, I know the Mets have a lot of problems, but that sure was the biggest problem they had. They had games won last year after seven innings because of what they had come in the eighth and especially the ninth. And when the Orioles run Batista out there and there's a little light show going now at Camden Yards and this, you know, six foot eight inch, 265 pound guy throwing 103 miles an hour comes in the game. It's a really important part of their game. And now if they're not going to have that potentially for the rest of the season, that's going to be a massive blow. Now they're still going to make the playoffs I still think they're going to win the division, but to lose him at this time and if they lose him for the rest of the year, that's really bad. Yeah, especially if you believe in the old adage that in uh, in the postseason you win with bullpen and bench. Do you believe in that yourself? Because if oh you're... yeah, Danny Go ahead. Johnson convinced me of that twenty years ago. That was his line. This is how you win in the in the postseason with bullpen 
bullpen bench, and you lose a key guy out of the bullpen. Now everyone's got to take a new role. Yannier Cano is going to have to close or somebody else. Uh, I, I, I'm not encouraged about uh, the Orioles as far as what they're going to do in the bullpen, but their offense is still young, energetic, athletic. They'll find a way to make the playoffs, but it's not going to be easy without Bautista in October. As you know, our friend Taylor here is a huge Orioles fan, and he was the first person I thought of when I saw this news. Taylor, you want to jump in and give me your perspective of, uh, from a fan? Buster, I'm trying to stay positive here. I mean, this is pretty dang brutal, but uh, just trying to push it away, focus game by game, and, and you know, just an eye on the playoffs here. It's it's all we can really do right now. Prayers, Prayer circle, candles are lit for Felix Bautista in the Schwing household. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see where that goes. Uh, I find it really, and I need your help, Tim, to sort out all the stuff that's going on around Shohei Otani because it does feel like that uh, that it's almost like uh, people are trying to draw lines in sand and trying to give uh, their perspective uh, or, or trying to convince us that something happened, and I'm not sure exactly what did happen because they're trying to tell us a sequence of events with his uh, with his injury that he suffered. Otani declined imaging after he left on August 3rd against Seattle after four innings and 59 pitches because of cramping in his pitching hand and fingers. That, according to Angels general manager Perry Manassian, uh, he told reporters that on Saturday. And then Phil Nevin told reporters that his elbow was fine until he tore his ulnar collateral ligament with a 94-mile-an-hour fastball to uh, hit her from the Reds last Wednesday. I can tell you, Tim, there are a lot of people around baseball who thought during the course of the year that something might be going on with Otani because he wasn't throwing that split-fingered fastball, which is one of the most devastating pitches in baseball. And I got to tell you, I don't know what everyone is trying to do here. I, to me, the only important information is what's next for Otani. And it'd be great if Otani himself, Tim, spoke with the reporters and filled in some of the blanks here. Yeah, we don't hear from him very often, and that's uh... – that, that's a bit of an issue, uh, I, I believe. And you're right. I'm not exactly sure what went on here either. But, Buster, the one thing we know about Otani is he knows his body really well. And he sets up his own schedule, and he's not going to push himself knowing what's ahead of him and knowing that he wants to pitch and hit for a very long time. And they are very cautious with him. And the fact that they didn't even know that he was injured and then suddenly he's got a torn UCL, I'm confused by all of this. This timeline doesn't make sense for a team and a player that have been so protective of this incredible talent, and then suddenly he's injured. I'm not sure I understand. All right, so I'm going to – three things that I heard about Otani in recent days – uh, and I want to compare notes with you on this. One, uh, in the other day when I wrote a piece about Otani and the impact of the injuries, I suggested that, you know, maybe he could uh, structure a contract, his offseason deal, that it would have some incentive clauses, uh, you know, maybe something based on appearances or game starters, something like that. And what I got back was from somebody who knows Otani, like, yeah, he, that's not, he's not going to do that. When I suggested, well, you know, of course, there's always the option of, of becoming a John Smoltz and, and cutting back on his pitching regimen and moving away from starting pitching. I got back. Yeah, he's not going to do that. <laughs> and uh, and it was a third thing, too. I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was like, no, he's not doing that. He He's he's going to handle this. Oh, it was Tim. I was told 
by this person that uh, he's convinced Otani already knows where he's going to play next year. And, and which I think is in keeping with what one general manager said to me, that if anybody pretends they really know what Otani's thinking, then they're kind of full of crap. What, uh, what, do you, what have you heard about that in terms of what his future is? Well, the, the bottom line is Otani's going to do what Otani wants to do because that's what he's done for the last six years with the Angels. He sets up his own program, and they basically go along with it because why wouldn't you? He's one of the, he's the most amazing player most of us have ever seen. Um, but where we go from here, I find it hard to believe that he's already decided where he's going to play next year unless he's decided he's going back to the Angels. Because, again, the Angels allow him to do pretty much whatever he wants. And I told you, Buster, multiple times, he is obsessed with his numbers and he's obsessed with comfort where he plays. And the Angels provide a pitching mound at a batter's box where he's really comfortable and a situation where... He can pretty much call the shots. So I'm not buying for a second that he already knows where he's going unless he's returning to the Angels. And I'm just not ready to believe he's not going to go out into the free agent market and see what is out there. All right. We always are guilty of recency bias. And I'll give you that as I ask you about the Atlanta Braves, Tim. Uh, who uh, I watched Ozzy Albies run today around the bases. He's probably, my guess is, going to be back in their lineup and, and activate off the injured list on Monday. I hear great things about Kyle Wright and how he's progressing. They're really excited about him. Tim, this team is so confident and, and, and so primed. Uh, I think they should go into the postseason, assuming they don't have a major injury between now and the start of the postseason, as the, the prohibitive favorite to win the World Series. Are you buying Yes, I'm buying it. Now, the Dodgers are right behind them. The Dodgers are really good. They have two superstar players, one of whom might win the MVP. They can score runs with anyone except for the Braves, but they're not far behind, and they've started to pitch better. But I agree. The Braves are the best team in baseball. They came into, you know, Sunday night, 40 games over 500. They're going to have five guys hit 30 homers in a season. They already got seven guys with 20. I mean, and they're pitching going into tonight. Last 15 games, 2.49 ERA. Max Fried is back. As you said, Kyle Wright's going to come back. They are, I think they're going to pitch well enough, and obviously they can pound you better than any team. I think that Braves go in as the best team in October, and the Dodgers go in as a close second. And, Tim, I think the Braves learned from last year how when they got to the postseason, their pitching was kind of fried. Uh, you know, some of the starters, I think, were a little bit worn down. Charlie Morton in that category. Now I think they're going to rest guys more down the stretch in that pitching staff to, to try to get ready for October. Last one I had for you, I want to ask you about Mookie Betts going back to Boston. It, it was uh, not surprising at all. They got a huge ovation from the fans there. He'll always be considered one of their guys, kind of the way Carlton Fisk was, in my opinion, uh, even though Fisk played a lot of his career with the Chicago White Sox. 
Yeah, he had a great, I think he went 7 for 15 over the weekend. Uh, of course, he played right field and then second base in the same game. Not many people are doing that. It is 35th home run of the season. And in, in the month of in the month of August, Buster, he's hitting 464 with eight homers and 24 RBI. So anyone who tries to justify, you know, the... The Red Sox did really good in the Mookie Betts trade. Look, I understand they got some good pieces. They played it really well at times, but they let go a great, great player who might win the the uh, MVP this year. And it seemed like he was welcomed back pretty well, and he enjoyed being back, and he sure showed it in his play on the field. Where would you rank this year's Little League World Series compared to others that you've seen? Well, I wasn't there for the finals, of course, but I did 12 games, and I think that last game, I mean, I didn't cover it, but I, first thing I want to know is when's the last time we had a Little League World Series end in a walk-off, and when's the last time anyone hit a grand slam in the fifth inning of a Little League World Series game in order to tie the score? It was great theater, and I, Buster, I say it a hundred times. 12-year-old kids playing on national TV with, you know, an entire region counting on every step that they take. And somehow they find a way to make the right pitch, make the right swing, make the right play. It was a stunningly great Sunday in Williamsport. But the whole thing for me uh, was absolutely tremendous. I love being there. It's my eighth year there. And I love going back there every year. All right, Tim. How many miles did I get you through? Uh, you got me through, uh, I'm actually counting, you got me through 28 miles. That's good. Nice. You're welcome. And I'm, al- <laughs> I'm almost on the bridge, so, and once I get on the once I get over the bridge, I'm almost in Maryland, so I feel like I'm close to home. So thanks for uh, killing some time for me. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing on this Sunday evening? I'm doing great, Buster. How are you? Yeah, you're doing great because you're the happiest person ever when we <laughs> decided to tape the podcast late Sunday night versus doing it early Monday morning from when I was in San Francisco. Because yeah, that would have been the alternative. That we would have said, hey, Sarah, we're going to tape it at 4 o'clock in the morning from the San Francisco airport. <laughs> and you would have been thrilled with that, I bet. I would have done it. I have established that, but yes, the moment I saw the text from Taylor and it was a little delay game back then, but I feel like he knew the answer that was coming. But the moment I saw that text, hey, you know, this may end after the game, I was like, awesome. Just finished my dinner, which I always have after the game on Sundays, and here we are. I love it. All right, so you got to see uh, Shohei Otani in person at City Field on Friday night. Uh, Tell me a moment that uh, you're going to take away from from that time out there. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, I've been lucky enough to see him in an all-star game setting, and I have seen him play before back in 2018 and in 2019, but not since he became what he is now in a regular season game. And the way the entire crowd and the entire press box stopped everything they were doing 
every time he came up to bat, and the boos that rang out when he was walked, which also happened on Saturday. From both sides, I mean, I was watching on SMY on Saturday when he was walked out in the, I guess that was in either the 8th or ninth, intentionally in the big spot. They showed multiple Mets fans decked out in Mets gear, booing the decision to just the <laughs> ultimate and total focus on him, which we expect in an all-star game. We expect in a home run derby. But to see it in a regular season game like that from both sides was really, really cool. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 99. 99.7 to be exact. So on Sunday, there was this electric play where Corbin Carroll of the Dimax, who is the rookie their favorite in the National League and very, very speedy, was going for an inside the park home run. Nelly Dela Cruz, the very, very strong armed rookie for the Cincinnati Reds, got a relay thrown from Tam from center field to try to throw him out of the plate, and he got him with a 99.7-mile-an-hour throw. It is the second fastest track to assist by an infielder under Sackhouse goes back to 2015, and, of course, he also has the fastest at 99.8. In fact, he has each of the top three on that list now, and... More of the top five, and it was just this perfect moment where Corbin Carroll had the lead sprints being around the bases, and it was a moment where I know sometimes fans are like, well, he didn't mean to throw it that fast. Why is he doing that? This was a moment where he had to throw it that fast. Number two. Number two is 50, so what, it's been a whole three days since I brought you a Julio Rodriguez that I bet. <laughs> I have another one, which is on Saturday, he had his 50th career home run. He had the fewest career games to 50 home run in Seattle Mariners history. And remember, they guys like Alex Rodriguez and Ken Griffey Jr. served their careers there, but he also already has 60 stolen bases. So it's 256 games to reach 50 homers and 60 steals are the fewest by any player in big league history. He beat out Eric Davis by two games. Eric Davis got to those marks in 258 games. And to be fair, Eric Davis is 50 and 60 plus was 50 and about 100 plus. So just an entirely different caliber, but Julio did get there faster. Number one. Number one is three. So over the weekend through Saturday, Alex Verdugo had lead off home run in three straight games. He became the third player since 1900 to lead off home run in at least three straight games. Lon Acuna Jr. did it back in 2018 when he was a rookie and Brady Anderson did it. In Forshay in 1996, and I love that two of these came with Mookie Betts in town, who, of course, is the outfielder leadoff and her extraordinaire, and, of course, they were in the same trade. So just kind of a cool full circle moment or something there for him. 
Yeah, and I kind of wondered about that. Like, I mean, I don't have any doubt, knowing Alex Verdugo's personality, that he had a little extra juice, uh, you know, playing in that series against Mookie for sure. Uh, we had a weird play uh, in our Sunday night game. It was the strangest dang play that I have seen ever, I think, among infielders, where there was a chopper hit to the right side against the Giants, and J.D. Davis fielded the ball and flipped to the pitcher, Scott Alexander, who was late breaking for the bag. He flips it to Tyro Estrada, who was hustling his butt off, gets to first base, and then Tyro Estrada steps on first base, gets the out there, and then sees the runner, uh, Orlando Arce, is broken from, from third base, and he's going home. Uh, he initially was called safe on that play. They replayed it. They called him out. I don't understand that. I, you know, that's an aside. I don't know what they saw to overturn that call. But in the end, Sarah, you have a play where the scoring on it is 3-1-4-2 double play. Between now and Friday, do you think you can find out if there, there's been an identical 3 one four two double play sequence? Because I, I was like, that is screwy. Absolutely. It was my first thought when it happened. I started digging through stuff a little bit during the game, but then more started happening. We had a very eventful Sunday night game, so I had to pause my research, but I will absolutely bring you that answer. All right. Well, well, I look forward to that on Friday. I appreciate it, Sarah. Get some sleep. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Over the weekend, Mike Cousins caught up with Austin Riley of the Atlanta Braves. Well, since you came up to the majors in 2019, basically all you've known with Atlanta is going to the playoffs. So you're headed in that direction again this year. What do you think makes the 2023 Braves distinct from the other teams you've been on? Um, you know, you know, we've you know, obviously it's you know tough to to you know talk about you know obviously we won in 21 and, and that that group there was was unbelievable and and you know the groups before it's just you know for me it's just a matter of you know, I think you're trying to stay healthy, um, staying healthy and, and getting hot at the right time. Um, and and this, this team definitely has that ability. You know, as long, like I said, as long, I think the, the main thing is just, you know, trying to stay healthy. And, and, you know, guys are, you know, guys are, you know, really adamant about their, their work ethic, their, their, um, 
you know their their plan, their uh, approach to the game. I think is pretty pretty consistent, and, and I think that that goes a long way. Um, you know, first you got to you know the hardest thing to me is, is trying to win a division because it's such a long season. And, you know, hopefully we you know we can continue to to head in that direction, and then you know get like I said, just get get hot at the right time. Your consistency has been really impressive today. Today's game 128 of the season, and you've started all of them. As you go down the stretch here, how do you manage your workload getting ready for October? You know, I think it's, um, you know, one, my, I hadn't felt, you know, this good at this point in time um, in, a, in a, you know, in a while. I think just because, you know, with the shift and every, you know, in the past couple of years, um, you know, I, I ran 45 miles from third to, to right. No way. And just the shift alone last year. Um, so I think that alone kind of takes care of itself. Like I said, I, my body feels great right now. Um, so, and I think it's just, you know, you know, it's hot in Atlanta. So, you know, the days where, you know, it's super, super muggy and stuff like that, you know, decide not to take BP and just, you know, stay in the AC, do my cage work, uh, do wash and, and, and just get ready for the game. I think that's, you know, kind of how, how I've been balancing it. Braves third baseman Austin Riley, our guest before the Braves and Giants play in San Francisco. You said 45 miles of running from the shift. What was your reaction when you found out that number? I was shocked. Um, I was thinking maybe like you know, maybe I ran like 20 <laughs> uh, at the most, but yeah, 45. You know, like I said, it's a lot. And it was you know it was you know sprint sprints because you know you're trying to keep the pitcher in rhythm. Um, you know, we have some guys that work fast, like, you know, Chavi last year works really fast. Kyle Wright was working fast. Um, you know, I don't want to throw off the rhythm, so I'm, like, <laughs> hauling, hauling butt to get over there back and forth. Um, but, you know, it's something, like, you know, you don't even, you know, kind of realize until after the fact because, like I say, you're just kind of in the moment playing the game. So It's really interesting to hear other pitchers talk about facing this lineup. You guys score the most runs. You've hit the most home runs. Among your friends on other teams around the league, what do they say about facing the Braves? Um, You know, I think, you know, just the the depth, the – you know, it's 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 not one through five, and then you kind of can take a breather until it comes back around. It's it's one through nine, um, and I think that's what's so cool about this team. It's like you know, you're kind of sitting in, you know at the edge of your seat, just waiting to see who goes off that night. Um, and, and you know, I think that's why this group is so special. It's it's um, you know, they're, you know, one, like I said, I, you know, one through nine is dangerous, um, and, and I think I think that's that's. Um, you know, that makes it tough on pitchers. It's just, just like it's it's a constant. You know, that next guy trying to figure out how you how you're gonna you know avoid um, you know damage. So a marathon is only 26.2 miles. Any plans for an off-season marathon now that you know you did 45? No, thank you. <laughs> um, you got a duck call. You're ready to break yeah, out, right? I'm ready to get in a, a deer stand at some point, and that, that'll be that'll be. Uh, uh, on the top of the list versus a, a marathon. <laughs> Austin Riley, thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Mike Cousins spoke with Paul DeYoung, who recently joined the San Francisco Giants. Well, this season you leave St. Louis, the team that drafted you, brought you into the majors eight years ago. You spent some time with Toronto. Now you're here in San Francisco. What have these last couple weeks, months been like? Yeah, it's been a big transition for me to leave St. Louis, a place that I, you know, had really grown up in, um, you know, being drafted as a, a 21-year-old kid and, you know, making it up to the big leagues and spending parts of seven seasons with to just abruptly leaving. Um, you know, I learned a lot about the process of getting on a new team and kind of adjusting and, uh, you know, it's just been a, a really interesting last month, to be honest, and I'm still kind of taking it all in, but um, I think it's really important for my personal growth and I'm just uh, soaking it all in. In what way with your personal growth? 
just understanding that, uh, you know, baseball is not permanent and my time in St. Louis wasn't going to be permanent as much as I wanted to hold on to that as long as I could and, and be a Cardinal my whole career, understanding the, the business side and how things work and uh, just uh, getting a chance to leave St. Louis uh, allowed me to really reflect on what it is that I what it is that I bring to another team or what it is that I want to uh, grow into. You're in a spot here where the guy you're filling in for is the longest tenured member on the team, Brandon Crawford. When he comes back, you know, what's your understanding of, of what your role is going to be with a fully healthy Brandon Crawford? Yeah, I know uh, watching Cap uh, manage for a few years, I've seen um, his platoon strategy and the way he kind of mixes and matches and tries to get the most out of his guys. So um, I'm expecting that I'll still get some time at shortstop um, in certain matchups and then if they want me to uh, to learn another position or practice uh, somewhere else, I'm uh, willing to do whatever it takes to just be out there and perform my best. Giant shortstop Paul DeYoung, our guest here on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio. Can you take me behind the scenes of the process of you leave Toronto, every player has an agent, of what it's like communicating with your agent about where you're going to eventually end up? Yeah, um, so as soon as, as soon as I was let go by Toronto, my agent was... Uh, in contact with uh, Farhan almost immediately, and uh, he reached out to us, actually. So um, I'm very thankful that the Giants had an interest in me and so quick, and I was able to kind of get the ball rolling. I know I spent a few days not doing much of anything, and so I was eager to kind of get back on a field without taking too much time off. Um, A lot of travel, you know, I traveled from Cincinnati to Toronto to to St. Louis to Philadelphia to San Francisco all in like a four-day span and so that was a really interesting um you know little four days for me but uh you just made me tired (laughs) yeah so it was uh it was interesting but you know I'm I'm happy to be with this team you know I, I I really appreciate the history and the tradition of this team and this fan base and um just excited to uh to make this run with this team you have a unique manager here, Gabe Kapler. You mentioned you've noticed his managerial style. What did you know about him before you got here, and, and what have you learned in the half a week that you've been with the team? I really respect uh, the way that he, he played the game and that he became a manager. I think uh, managers that played in the big leagues uh, are have a special uh, connection with their players because they understand what it takes to uh, to play this game every day, and they don't sweat the little things. And I think that's super important for the confidence of the players to be able to go out there and play free and uh, just the freedom of expression and uh, the way we're all able to kind of be ourselves but for the team. And then, you know, the preparation from the rest of the staff, I think top to bottom, everyone has their role and everyone's contributing and uh, showing up ready to work. And I think that's uh, what kind of propels us having a staff that that prepares and wants to win just as much as we do i think it all kind of lines up together paul thanks so much for the time the insight yep thank you here's mike cousins with giants manager gabe kapler this season has been somewhat of a carousel of faces whether it's been at shortstop or in center field or for your starting pitcher and yet here you are at the end of august right in the thick of a wild card race how has that been the case well, I, I've seen it on a lot of winning teams where there there has been that carousel that you're you're talking about. I think, you know, the key for us is uh, managing that that carousel well. So um, whatever it's you know Wade Meckler coming up here, and uh, I don't know if you you know this, but Meckler struggled pretty mightily in his first couple of games. He was striking out a lot, and he has a history of making really good contact. So the way we're managing Wade Meckler is to hang in there with him, know that his profile is he's going to put the ball in play. So over the last couple of, of games, he's 
really swung the bat well, um, gotten on base, gotten hits, used his speed, helped us win a game in Philadelphia, a really big game in Philadelphia. So I think you manage the carousel by supporting the players. That's always going to be the case. That's how it's always been for the, for the history of the game. And more specifically with starting pitchers, you've got two main guys and then you've used openers or a bulk pitcher for a lot of the season. How have you made that successful for your team? Um, I think the best way we can make it successful is get players understanding why we're doing what we're doing. So um, Ryan Walker is going to start for us today. Um, Ryan's got a pretty heavy sinker slider combination. He steps across the body and hides the baseball. So there's a lot of deception. As we all know, the Braves lineup is heavy with with big right-handed hitters. So you want to find any way to get a little advantage on those right-handed hitters. You could run a guy like Ryan Walker out there for a couple of innings and then back him up with several right-handed pitchers again and just try to get the platoon advantage at every at every turn. So if that's going to be the strategy for a game, which, by the way, we have some lefties available as well. We've got Sean Manaya, uh, Scott Alexander, Taylor Rogers all ready to come in through a, a shorter left-handed pocket. We're, we are explaining this to the players, the reason that we're doing this and and how they can be helpful and how all hands have to be on deck for this playoff run. It's, we've got five weeks left in the season. So everybody has to be selfless. Everybody has to be a piece of the puzzle. Nobody can put their needs first. And I think our, our players understand that even if they don't like it at times, I think they understand it. Gabe, thanks for the time, the insight. My pleasure. Thanks. Bleacher tweets. Already Buster Bleacher tweets for a Sunday evening for your Monday morning listening. Andrew Sanford at Sanford minus Sunrights and Buster, at what point, at this point, what can my beloved Rangers do to right the ship? Blown save seemed to be the rule, not the exception. Runs are scarce. I would even argue that we didn't win the game on Saturday. The Twins lost it. Yeah, I, I, you know, you're waiting for the ebbs and flows of baseball at this point. <laughs> if you're the Rangers and you're hoping, yeah, the players are going to remember how great they were offensively, uh, which is what, to me, with all the pitching issues they have, if they're going to make the playoffs, it's going to be because they're going to build a margin for error with that offense. Justin Steiner writes in, what do you think, Buster, has Cody Bellinger ended up uh, as the best free agent signing from last offseason? Yeah, you can make a strong case for that. I'll co-sign on that. And think about all those guys who signed big deals in the last offseason, all those shortstops and, and how those have turned out. Wow. Be good to each other, writes in. After Mookie's 16 of 26 road trip, is it safe to say this week's head-to-head between the Dodgers and Braves will be a big one for the tightening NL MVP race? Yeah, I do. I did, and I do think it's tightened. I think Acuna right now is still the front runner. But Mookie Betts, and I didn't update these numbers uh, through Sunday's game, but going into Sunday, he was hitting 457 in the month of August. He had 26 runs Ooh. scored in 23 innings. He's just red hot. Is that good? Is that good, Buster? We'll have to get, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> we'll have to get uh, sports information. Let's, uh, let's cut to the chase. National League Player of the Month for uh, August is Mookie Betts. That announcement's coming next week. All right. I'm excited for this series coming up this weekend. Corey Ruckert at Corey R underscore 12 rights and will Strasburg carry the same what if legacy that guys like Pryor and Wood carry? I don't think not to that degree because actually Strasburg won. Like they won mm-hmm. a World Series and he was the World Series MVP. Unlike with Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood, they never reached the mountaintop. And in fact, what everyone's going to remember them for is to, you know, these two great pitchers on the team that uh, was involved in the Bartman game and everything that happened that year. 
Brian Stone King writes in Angels and Otani should sign a one year deal for 2024. He gets to prove he's healthy for the 25 offseason. Angels get a chance to show him their direction, future, blah, blah, blah. Brian Stone King, I don't think there's any chance he signs a short term deal. I know you didn't ask me, you asked Buster, but I asked a bunch of people at my fantasy football draft asked me this as well, and I think there's no chance. What do you think? No way. Yeah, I mean, I it's think too much money. I, right. I mean, it, you know, some teams out there willing to guarantee him 500 to $550 million. There's no way you can pass on that. Now, could there be an opt out after year one or year two, you know, as he comes back, maybe, you know, that I could see, uh, you know, Otani in that position where maybe he asked for that in case he doesn't like the, the place he goes next, but a one year deal. I don't think that makes any sense. I think he's in a position to get too much guaranteed money to walk away from that. Yeah. Matt Hempner at Matt the Stud writes in, is there any hope for the Phillies to get Reese Hoskins back for the playoffs a la Schwarber coming back from his ACL tear early in 2016? Or do the Phillies already have too many defensive limited, defensively limited fielders to incorporate Hoskins? Yeah. Um, boy, I don't know. First off, I you know, Reese was around the team when we had the Little League Classic last week. Uh, he obviously, with his great plate appearance, uh, it would be someone that would be a plus if we were to come back. And Schwarber's the great comparison. You know, he came back and he had really good at-bats in that World Series. But I'll also tell you that uh, some of the people with the Cubs organization have always thought that coming back early from that ACL in 2016 may have set him back as he got older. Mm. Last one for today. This one is moot at this point, but Chris Mitchell writes in as a Giants fan season ticket holder since Oracle Park opened. Welcome to Sunday Night Baseball for a quiet podcasting spot at SFO on Monday. Check out the SFO Aviation Museum Library in the International Terminal. It is a replica of what SFO was like in the 30s. You don't have to do it because you're in your hotel room on a Sunday night, but great suggestion from Chris. And, you know, from what I understand, this might not be the last time we see the Giants this year. So, Chris, I'm going to put your suggestion in my back pocket. I really appreciate it. Oh, love that tweet from Chris. Thanks for writing in, everyone. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter while you're watching games. We'll be back on Wednesday. That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.